you know, the more I think about it, it's a good thing that every opponent in the American Athletic Conference is giving the Bearcats their best shot. It really is a good thing. Our Locked On Bearcats, your daily podcast on the Cincinnati Bearcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen of every day. We're free and available everywhere that you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe to our Lockdown Bearcats YouTube channel and follow us to get an alert every time we drop a new episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Sweatblock. If you or someone you love is experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor, try Sweatblock. Save 20% with promo code LOCKEDON at sweatblock.com, also available on Amazon. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm still battling some congestion, but that's okay. Alex Frank with you, your host each and every day. We're on Lockdown Bearcats, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. So the Bearcats are getting every opponent's best shot in the American this year, and that might cause um, irregular heartbeats. It might cause, you know, it might cause you to have to take a stress test before and after the games, maybe even during the games. Um, and a lot of us don't like the close games, myself included. Actually, I do because it makes it fun, except when you're playing South Florida. If you're playing Houston or UCF or apparently now Tulane, fine. But when you're playing a far inferior opponent and the game is a four-point margin with however many minutes to play, yeah, that that – that can't happen. But yet it's a good thing for Cincinnati. Because let me tell you something. When the Bearcats go to the Big 12, those teams who are currently there, Baylor, Oklahoma for a few years, Oklahoma State, Texas for a few years, Texas Tech, all these TCU, all these established teams, they're going to say to Cincinnati, Prove that you belong. Every single team is going to say, all right, you think you're good enough to be in this conference? Show us. Every single game in the Big 12 next year is going to be an absolute all-out war. It's going to be intense. It's going to be um, – it's going to be – what's the word I'm looking for? I mean, every game is going to have a sellout crowd – at Nippert or on the road, it's going to be on a major network. This is going to be a big step up from the American Athletic Conference if you're Cincinnati. Excuse me, really is. So why that's a good thing that they're getting their best shot from every team they play this year? Because there will be a target on their back heading into the Big 12. There's one right now, Okay. There's a target on the backs of the Cincinnati Bearcats because every team in this conference, <coughs> except for UCF and maybe Houston, they want to be who Cincinnati is. Back-to-back conference champions, college football playoffs, semifinalists, that's who they want to be. They now have seen in their conference specifically that you can crash the gates of the college football playoff. So you na- so naturally that makes you want to beat them so badly. 
this is that when the Bearcats go on the road to Orlando next week, that's their biggest home game UCF since 2018 on on Saturday primetime. Heck, SMU this week. <clears throat> excuse me. SMU this week. That is a monstrous home game for the Bearcats for, for uh, SMU. It's homecoming and you have the Cincinnati Bearcats, a team that has owned you in recent years, but a team that you feel like you can compete with because of your style of play. Everywhere Cincinnati goes this season, they still have four ro- three road games remaining. SMU, UCF, and Temple. Every single time they go on the road, that is that team's Super Bowl. They're hosting a big, big game. And that's especially true this Saturday. SMU doesn't host a lot of these games. You know, they hosted in 2020 a top 20 matchup between these two teams. But what you'll remember is Cincinnati blew them out, but the game was attended by maybe 50% capacity because that was during the COVID year. SMU's never had this big of a home game with unlimited restrictions when it comes to capacity. That will be the case this year. Okay? So, when we look at this matchup, and when we look at why Cincinnati got their best shot from USF, it's because, you know, teams want to beat the reigning champions. It's so easy to get up for a game against Cincinnati because you know who they are, you know how good they are, and by virtue and as a competitor, that's going to get you up for the game. Nobody wants to play um, USF every week. And so for Cincinnati's case, it was, how do we get up for that game? It's homecoming. We're hosting USF. We should beat this team by 50. And sometimes you say that because you simply don't want to do what it takes to play a lesser opponent as you do want to do it when it, when you play UCF. So, but they're getting teams best shots and that is going to pay massive dividends going into the big 12 when there's a target on their backs because of what they achieved as a group of five team, because they're the newbies to the big 12 and the big 12 schools are going to say, all right, you think you belong, prove it. Those teams are going to show that Cincinnati, those teams want to show that Cincinnati is still not power five worthy. They do. You know, this is the first time in a long time that I can remember that really since Louisville joined the ACC and Rutgers joined the Big Ten and (coughs) I think those are the main adjustments that have been made. But this is the first time that group of five schools are moving to a power five conference. Like, that's a significant jump. The Big 12 is now adding lower-tier teams, teams in the lower tier of college football, and that has to matter. That has to get them thinking, okay, we need to show these guys, we need to put these guys in their place. And I guarantee you they're going to do the same thing to Houston, UCF, maybe BYU, although they've been independent, so that's, I think, a little different than being a group of five teams. But absolutely, knowing how to play when you get every team's best shot this year, I guarantee you by natural default, if that's a phrase, 
the game on Saturday at SMU is going to be closer than you expect. That's just the way it goes, right? When you're five and one, the two-time reigning conference champions, you've beaten SMU by a combined score of 90 to 27. Naturally, SMU is going to get up for that game. <clears throat> Excuse me. Especially coming off a big win against Navy. And they lost to this Cincinnati team, albeit a different Cincinnati team last year in terms of personnel. They lost to this Cincinnati team 48 to 14 last year in a game that many people, that some people thought SMU could pull off an upset, which was just a load of ludicrousness because that was never going to happen. So, of course, they're going to get up for this game. But taking your opponent's best shot in what's a bridge year for Cincinnati between their playoff season and their first season as a Power 5 conference team, next year will not be any easy. I don't know who the Bearcats are going to play. The schedule for next football season for the Big 12 comes out in December. But regardless of who you do play, you're going to get you're going to face Power 5 teams consistently for the first time ever. The Big East was not a Power 5 school or conference. It was a part of the BCS 6, but it was never considered Power 5. You are going to be a member of the Power 5 next year. Every single game is going to be hard to win. That's just the way it goes. But at least you're not going to the SEC or the Big Ten. The Big 12 is a great place for Cincinnati. There's great football teams. I mean, you got TCU in the top 10. You've got Texas on the rise. Well, they're leaving to the SEC. You've got Oklahoma State, consistent top 20 team. You've got um, Baylor, who last year <coughs> won the Big 12. They're struggling a little bit this year. But you've got Kansas State, top 20 team. Kansas is all of a sudden good this year. So there are going to be a lot of teams that you play that are going to want to, they are going to dare you to prove you belong. And that's going to be very hard to do if you're Cincinnati. All right, coming up, um, we'll take a look at the game on Saturday against SMU. And it goes back to one of the keys I mentioned on or yesterday's show. Yeah, yesterday's show. One of the keys I've mentioned to the second half of the season that can absolutely be utilized in this game. I'll explain what that is next after a word from Sweat Block. So I sweat a lot, whether I'm at work, whether I'm sleeping, um, whether I'm working out, of course. And, you know, take Chris, for example. He suffered from excessive underarm sweat for 10 years. He was so worried about sweating through his dress shirts that he started tucking maxi pads in his shirt to soak up the sweat until he found sweat block. And that changed the game for him because Chris was able to fix his or her problem with sweat block. I am too, because it was created by a doctor to help with his own excessive sweating. It is doctor created and doctor recommended. If you or someone you love is experiencing sweat or odor, try sweat block, save 20% with promo code locked on at sweatblock.com. That's also available on Amazon. All right, so we look at SMU, and it's largely the the, the same um, SMU team that you're used to, right? We look at some of their um, total for the season. They average over 350 passing yards a game. They hold opponents to less than 230. 
so they can throw the ball and they can defend the and they can defend the pass really well. They average 490 yards a game. They give up 432 because they are not a good running defense. They don't run the ball. They're at 138.5 yards per game, and they also uh, struggle to stop the run. They allow 209 yards rushing per game. In fact, when you look at <clears throat> excuse me, when you look at the statistics in the American, when you look at the team stats as far as rushing is concerned for SMU, they are offensively ninth in the conference. Cincinnati's fifth. SMU is also ninth in stopping the run at 209 yards a game. Cincinnati is fifth. So very similar in those regards. But we look at passing, all right? SMU is first in the conference in passing at 351 yards a game and sixth in defending the pass, excuse me, at 223.3. Now, Luke Fickle mentioned yesterday in his press conference something that um, I took note of because I didn't think it was true, but at the same time, it is. In his time here with the Bearcats, and Luke Fickle said yesterday that they have been in some battles with SMU, and I don't really believe that, but I also do believe that. So as I mentioned, the last two games for these two teams, these the last two matchups between these two teams, the Bearcats won both those games by a combined score of 90 to 27. Right, 90 to 27. 42-13 two years ago in a game where Desmond Ritter went ballistic both on the ground and through the air. He had a 90-yard touchdown run to clinch the game in the fourth quarter. And against SMU, Last year, Ritter threw for, I believe, over 300 yards and four touchdowns, and he also caught a touchdown on his senior day. So the Bearcats have owned the rivalry. But as Luke Fickle mentioned four years ago when the Bearcats went to Dallas, and that SMU team wasn't very good, the Bearcats were very good. They were 6-1 and one, coming off their first loss of the season at Temple the week prior. The game came down to Cole Smith kicking a 41-yard field goal at the gun in regulation as time expired after SMU iced him twice, barely makes the kick, Bearcats win the game in overtime, James Wiggins with an 86-yard pick six for the win. The year before that, the two teams played a thriller, a barn burner at Nippert Stadium. SMU wins 31-28 on a, in a, a game where they converted a fourth and 26 in overtime. And... They stripped the ball from Hayden Moore and resulted in an interception to win the game. I mean, that goes back to 2017 Bearcats under Luke Fickle, and, and, and that seems like a lifetime ago to me. It really does. So you've been in some tough battles in the past, but you've lost, but but SMU has lost two games recently, 90 to 27. And the key for me in this game, it goes back to what I mentioned yesterday. And I think it's the number one key for the Bearcats this second half of the season. they got to run the football. They've got to run the football. Neutralize a high-octane offense. That's how you do it. Because you're going to keep your defense off the field, and you're going to keep SMU's offense off the field. You're going to have to win time of possession in this game. And how you do that is you run the football. You keep your offense out on the field. You wear down SMU's defense. You open up your passing game, which I think is due for a bounce-back game after the, after a subpar previous two games. Um, and it will stress the defense. 
So that is what stands out to me in this game. Looking at SMU statistically, they struggle to stop the run. They also struggle to run the ball. So what that means is, if you're Cincinnati, go out there, run the football, stop the run, and you should be able to win this game, preferably by two scores. Um, SMU quarterbacked by Tanner Mordecai. He is completing just over 60% of his passes for just over 2,000 yards. He's got 15 touchdowns through six games, but he's thrown six interceptions. SMU's leading receiver is Rache Rice. Um, 49 catches, 760 yards, four touchdowns. So multiple, so big performance from Rache Rice. Um, SMU does have two rushers over 100, over 200 yards. Uh, Trey Siggers and Belton Gardner. Uh, Siggers has four touchdowns. Gardner has one. TJ McDaniel, who has 156 rushing yards, has three. Defensively for SMU, they are led. Um, they're led in sacks by Nelson Paul and Elijah Chapman, each with three. Uh, tackles for loss, that's Nelson Paul with five. Chapman with four, also with four, are Jimmy Phillips Jr. and Brandon Crossley. Shannon Reed with three. They have four players with an interception. They have one player, Nick Roberts, with two fumble recoveries. And they have five players with a fumble forced. So a solid defense, but one that is still giving up over 400 yards a game. The Bearcats so far this season are averaging uh, 435.2 rushing yards, or I'm sorry, total offensive yards per game. So right around SMU's average. So that tells you that this matchup is going to be difficult potentially, but it's not going to be, you know, one where you have to, you know, worry all week about it. I'm not. I think a lot of us are maybe, and we shouldn't do this, looking ahead to UCF. That's the big game. And let me tell you, when we, I mean, that is going to be an absolutely difficult game to win. It's going to be like playing Arkansas all over again. I'll tease that now for next week, and I'll tell you why next week. Um, so that's a look at SMU. Um, again, it is their homecoming game. This is their Super Bowl. They're not going to play for a championship this year, right? They're three and three. They're one and one in the AAC. They could, but I don't think they will. They'd have to win out at least to get to the American Championship game. They'd have to be nine and three, seven and one, and I don't think they're going to be that. So if they're not playing for a championship, this is their this is their biggest game of the year because it is Cincinnati. They know they can compete with Cincinnati. They feel like they can. They have it at home this year. It's their homecoming. And since and they cannot overlook this game if they're the Bearcats. If you're the Bearcats, you cannot overlook this game. You can't. This is the biggest game on your schedule because it is the next one. All right. Coming up, uh, let's look at what's happening around the American heading into the second half of the season. We got some surprise teams at the top, a very large middle, and then your inferior team. So <coughs> we'll get into that after a word from LinkedIn, as you see on your screen. The overlay. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business because you want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available, and that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs because they help you find the right people for your team faster and for free. What you can do is you can add your job. And I should have done this when I was with Bearcast Media Sports Director. I didn't use LinkedIn a lot. I should have then. Add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates 
with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. All right, so, you know, I took a look at the standings in the American recently, and there are some surprises. There are, you know, a lot of um, not surprises. Obviously, Tulane being 3-0 in the conference, 6-1 overall, and now ranked in the top 25 for the first time in 24 years. I was born 24 years ago. Fun fact. Um, that's the biggest surprise. But the thing, but but the questions I have with them is – can they sustain their strong start? I mean, their second half schedule is brutal. Okay. Tulane still has to play. Tulane still has to play Memphis, UCF, and SMU. Now they get UCF and SMU at home, but they still got to come to Cincinnati. I mean, that game could be 10 and 1 versus 10 and 1. I think it's going to be more 7 and 4. 10 and 1, 9 and 2. Um, UCF. But now here's the thing about Tulane. They have a strong defense. They rank second in scoring and defense in the conference. They're first in yards allowed, but they're mediocre in every other category. Um, UCF is a team I worry about because they're averaging 525 yards a game on offense. Uh, John Reese Plumley is putting up numbers like Desmond Ritter. Um, he is having a ridiculous season. Then you got ECU and Memphis. I mean, they're good. I don't really know what the, what they're doing though is sustainable. They're both four and three. They're both two and two in the conference. They're your typical middle of the conference teams. Um, and then you've got Temple, Tulsa, and USF. I mean, Navy and Houston are two and two and one and one respectively in the conference. SMU is the same way. I don't really. I mean, you've already taken care of Tulsa and South Florida, which is good. Um, you still got to go to Temple. That game does worry me because it's on the road and, it, you know, trap games are, you know, sometimes a, a tricky thing to overcome for this program. But, you know, the conference right now is, you know, you have your top, Cincinnati and UCF. That's expected. Can Tulane stay there? Maybe they've won three in a row. Cincinnati's won five in a row, of course. The, uh, the Knights have won four in a row. But then I look at, um, you know, the large middle from uh, ECU all the way down to SMU, four through eight. You know, are any of those teams really legitimate threats to the Bearcats in the conference? I don't think so. ECU has had a good team for several years. Hole Naylor is a very experienced quarterback. It, 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 it has felt like he's been there for many, many years. I still think that the Bearcats are a significantly better team than ECU, and they get him at home this year. So that's advantage Cincinnati. That's the nip and night games. That's going to be a raucous environment. Um. Memphis, I mean, the Bearcats haven't played them since 2020 when they beat them 49 to 10. You know, Ryan Silverfield, you know, give him credit for getting the program back on track. I mean, they're four and three, but you look at their remaining schedule, they um they still have UCF and Tulane back to back weeks. Um they, and they have to go to SMU. They got to go to Tulane, but they host UCF. That game could be interesting. Um, East Carolina, 
you know, again, same deal. I don't think that they're great. I think they're good. You know, they still they play UCF this week at home. They go to BYU. They go to Cincinnati. They have Houston. They go to Temple. So that's three of their final five games on the road. I don't really like that. So again, it's a conference that, you know, you have your top tier, top tier teams, and then you've got your large middle, and then you got your inferiors in Temple, Tulsa, and South Florida. But you got to represent the winning culture, and you got to show teams that, you know, just below you that they don't that you don't have a chance. That's Memphis and ECU, and you got to show that against ECU. They could come into that game realistically six and three, seven and three, six and three. I don't think they will, but or five and three, whatever it is. <coughs> but at the end of the day, um, I still think Cincinnati, with their winning culture, should be able to win this conference. And I'm reading Justin Williams this morning in The Athletic. Um, Does Cincinnati get into a New Year's Six Bowl if they lose a conference game before the championship and win that? Maybe. But the goal is to win the conference championship again. But you got to represent your winning culture. That no other team in this conference has. Sustained. Memphis had it in 2019. We know that. UCF had it for two years. They haven't been back to the championship game since. They've been an average football program since. This year, they're a little better. But so, but Cincinnati is just as good. All right, tomorrow, Russ Hellman will join me, my colleague from All Bearcats and Sports Illustrated, to uh, look ahead to the SMU game on Saturday, plus some comments from uh, UC's Basketball Media Day that took place Yesterday, Wes Miller talking about the offense. We'll talk about that. Um, Friday, of course, is my game preview. The Bearcats and SMU Saturday, uh, noon kickoff. So a work day for me that will end pretty early because we'll have the recap show up by 6 o'clock that night, 6 o'clock Eastern time, uh, 5 o'clock Central time if you're going to Dallas for the game. And, uh, yeah, going to be a lot of fun. Um, Lockdown Bearcats is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's your team every day. We're free and available everywhere you get your podcasts. And on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe to our Lockdown Bearcats YouTube channel. And don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Frankie underscore Natty with two N's and an ATI. You can follow me on Instagram, AlexFrank9 underscore. Email me at Alex3Frank at gmail.com. And hey, how about for your second listen, make it Locked On Big 12 with everyday host Josh Neighbors and the local experts of Locked On taking you across the conference in 30 minutes, Locked On Big 12, your second listen. That's Locked On Big 12. For Locked On Bearcats, my name is Alex Frank. Have a great rest of your day. Stay safe, stay healthy to keep making Locked On Bearcats your first listen every day. So looking forward to getting back tomorrow with Russ and should be a very, very fun episode. And then Friday game preview for SMU. For Locked On Bearcats, my name is Alex Frank, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.